Florence Nightingale to her nurses, a selection from Miss Nightingale's addresses to probationers and nurses of the Nightingale School at St. Thomas's Hospital. Preface Parts 1, 2, and 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Twyla Johnson. Preface Between 1872 and 1900, Miss Nightingale used, when she was able, to send an annual letter or address to the probationer nurses of the Nightingale School of St. Thomas's Hospital and the nurses who have been trained there. These addresses were usually read aloud by Sir Harry Verney, the chairman of the Nightingale Fund, in the presence of the probationers and nurses, and a printed copy or a lithograph facsimile of the manuscript was given to each of the nurses present for private use only. A few were written to the Nightingale nurses serving in Edinburgh, the letters were not meant for publication and indeed are hardly suitable to be printed as a whole as there is naturally a good deal of repetition in them since miss nightingale's death however heads of nursing institutions and others have asked for copies of the addresses to be read or given to nurses and her family hope that the publication of a selection may do something to carry further the intention with which they were originally written perhaps too not only nurses but others may care to read some of these letters there is a natural desire to understand the nature of a great man's or woman's influence and we see in the addresses something at least of what constituted miss nightingale's power her earnest care for the nurses her intense desire that they should be perfect speak in every line they do not of course give full expression to the writer's mind they are written after she had reached middle age as from a teacher of long and wide experience to pupils much younger than herself pupils some of whom had had very little schooling and did not easily read or write the want of even elementary education and habits and traditions of discipline which grow in schools are difficulties less felt now than in eighteen seventy two when miss nightingale's first letter to nurses was written at that time it was necessary in addressing such an audience to write very simply without learned allusions though some such appear in disguise and without too great severity and concentration of style the familiar words of the bible and hymns could appeal to the least learned among her hearers and never lost their power with miss nightingale herself but through the simple and popular style of the addresses something of a philosophical framework can be seen when Miss Nightingale hopes that her nurses are a step further on the way to becoming perfect, as our Father in Heaven is perfect, she has in mind the conception she had formed of a moral government of the world in which science, activity, and religion were one, 
in her unpublished writings these ideas are dwelt on again and again they are clearly explained in her note on a prayer of saint teresa we cannot really attach any meaning to perfect thought and feeling unless its perfection has been attained through life and work unless it is being realized in life and work it is in fact a contradiction to suppose perfection to exist except at work to exist without exercise without working out we cannot conceive of perfect wisdom perfect happiness except as having attained attained perfection throughout work the ideas of the impassable and of perfection are contradictions this seems to be the very meaning of the word perfect made through made perfect through suffering completed working out and even the only idea we can form of the perfect perfect god in us grieving the holy spirit of god my father worketh and i work these seem all indications of this truth we cannot explain or conceive of perfection except as having worked through imperfection or sin the eternal perfect almost presupposes the eternal imperfect hence her deep interest in the laws which register the connection of physical conditions with moral actions she quotes elsewhere a scientific writer who delighted in the consciousness that his books were to the best of his ability expounding the ways of god to man i can truly say she continues that the feeling he describes has been ever present to my mind whether in having a drain cleaned out or in ventilating a hospital ward or in urging the principles of healthy construction of buildings or of temperance and useful occupation or of sewerage and water supply i always considered myself as obeying a direct command of god and it was with earnestness and reverence due to god's laws that i urged them for mankind to create the circumstances which create mankind through these laws is the way of god the letters have needed a little editing miss nightingale had great power of succinct and forcible statement on occasion but here she was not tabulating statistics nor making a business-like summary for a minister in a hurry certain ideas had to be impressed in the first place orally on minds which were not all highly trained and for this she naturally wrote in a discursive way she did not correct the proofs as the readers of her life will know she was burdened with other work and delicate health and she found any considerable revision difficult and uncongenial it has therefore been necessary to make a few amendments such as occasionally correcting an obvious misprint adding a missing word or taking out brackets stops and divisions which obscured the sense a few of the many repetitions and one or two passages only interesting at the time have also been left out 
The object has been to change as little as possible, and I hope nothing has been done that Miss Nightingale would not have done herself if she had corrected the proofs. The first two addresses give perhaps the fullest expression of the main theme to which she returns again and again. Others have been chosen chiefly for the sake of characteristic illustrations of the same thing. Rosalind Nash Part 1 London, May, 1872 For us who nurse, our nursing is a thing which, unless in it, we are making progress every year, every month, every week, take my word for it, we are going back. The more experience we gain, the more progress we can make. The progress you make in your year's training with us is as nothing to what you must make every year after your year's training is over. A woman who thinks in herself, now I am a full nurse, a skilled nurse. I have learned all there is to be learned. Take my word for it. She does not know what a nurse is, and she never will know. She is gone back already. Conceit and nursing cannot exist in the same person any more than new patches on an old garment. Every year of her service, a good nurse will say, I learn something every day. I have had more experience in all countries and in different ways of hospitals than almost anyone ever had before. There were no opportunities for learning in my youth such as you had. But if I could recover strength so much as to walk about, I would begin all over again. I would come for a year's training to St. Thomas's Hospital under your admirable matron and i venture to add that she would find me the closest in obedience to all our rules sure that i should learn every day learn all the more from my past experience and then i would try to be learning every day to the last hour of my life and when his legs were cut off he fought upon his stumps said the ballad so when i could no longer learn by nursing others i would learn by being nursed by seeing nurses practice upon me it is all experience agnes jones who died as matron of the liverpool workhouse infirmary whom you may have heard of as una wrote from the workhouse in the last year of her life i mean to stay at this post forty years god willing but i must come back to st thomas as soon as i have a holiday i shall learn so much more she had been a year at st thomas's now that i have more experience when i was a child i remember reading that sir isaac newton who was as you know perhaps the greatest discoverer among the stars and earth's wonders who ever lived said in his last hours i seem to myself like a child who has been playing with a few pebbles on the seashore leaving unsearched all the wonders of the great ocean beyond 
By the side of this put a nurse leaving her training school and reckoning up what she has learned, ending with, The only wonder is that one head can contain it all. What a small head it must be, then. I seem to have remembered all through life Sir Isaac Newton's words, and to nurse, that is, under doctor's orders, to cure or to prevent sickness and maiming, surgical and medical, is a field, a road, of which one may safely say, there is no end, no end in what we may be learning every day. I have sometimes heard, but have we not reason to be conceited when we compare ourselves to this person or that person, naming, drinking, immoral, careless, dishonest nurses, I will not think it possible that such things can ever be said about us, taking it even upon the worldly ground. What woman among us, instead of looking to that which is higher, will of her own accord compare herself with that which is lower, with immoral women? Does not the apostle say, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And what higher calling can we have than nursing? But then we must press forward. We have indeed not apprehended, if we have not apprehended even so much as this. There is a little story about the Pharisee, known over all Christendom. Should Christ come again upon the earth, would he have to apply that parable to us? And now let me say a thing which I am sure must have been in all your minds before. This, if unless we improve every day in our nursing, we are going back. How much more must it be? that unless we improve every day in our conduct as Christian women, followers of him by whose name we call ourselves, we shall be going back. This applies, of course, to every woman in the world, but it applies more especially to us, because we know no one calling in the world, except it be that of teaching, in which what we can do depends so much upon what we are to be a good nurse one must be a good woman or one is truly nothing but a tinkling bell to be a good woman at all one must be an improving woman for stagnant waters sooner or later and stagnant air as we know ourselves always grow corrupt and unfit for use is any one of us a stagnant woman? Let it not have to be said by any one of us, I left this home a worse woman than I came into it. I came in with earnest purpose, and now I think of little but my own satisfaction and a good place. When the head and the hands are very full, as in nursing, it is so easy, so very easy, if the heart has not an earnest purpose for God and our neighbor to end in doing one's work only for oneself 
and not at all, even when we seem to be serving our neighbors, not at all for them or for God. I should hardly like to talk of a subject which, after all, must be very much between each one of us and her God, which is hardly a matter for talk at all, and certainly not for me, who cannot be among you, though there is nothing in the world I should so dearly wish, but that I thought perhaps you might like to hear of things which persons in the same situation, that is, in different training schools on the continent, have said to me, I will mention two or three. Number one, one said, The greatest help I ever had in life was that we were taught in our training school always to raise our hearts to God the first thing on waking in the morning. Now it need hardly be said that we cannot make a rule for this. A rule will not teach this any more than making a rule that the chimney shall not smoke will make the smoke go up the chimney. If we occupy ourselves the last thing at night without rushing about, gossiping in one another's rooms, if our last thoughts at night are of some slight against ourselves or spite against another or about each other's tempers, it is needless to say that our first thoughts in the morning will not be of God." perhaps there may even have been some quarrel and if those who pretend to be educated women indulge in these irreligious uneducated disputes what a scandal before those less educated to whom an example not a stone of offence should be set a thousand irreligious cursed hours as some poet said have not seldom in the lives of all but a few whom we may truly call saints upon earth been spent on some feeling of ill-will and can we expect to be really able to lift up our hearts the first thing in the morning to the god of good-will towards men if we do this i speak for myself even more perhaps than for others number two another woman once said to me i was taught in my training school never to have those long inward discussions with myself those interminable conversations inside myself which make up so much more of our own thoughts than we are aware if it was something about my duties i went straight to my superiors and asked for leave or advice if it was one of those useless or ill-tempered thoughts about one another or those that were put over us we were taught to lay them before god and get the better of them before they get the better of us a spark can be put out while it is a spark if it falls on our dress but not when it has set the whole dress in flames so it is with an ill-tempered thought against another and who will tell how much of our thoughts those occupy? I suppose, of course, that those who think themselves better than others are bent upon setting them a better example. Part 2 And this brings me to something else. I can always correct others, though I cannot always correct myself. It is about 
jealousies and punctilios as to ranks classes and offices when employed in one good work what an injury this jealous woman is doing not to others or not to others so much as to herself she is doing it to herself she is not getting out of her work the advantage the improvement to her own character the nobleness for to be useful is the only true nobleness which god has appointed her that work to attain she is not getting out of her work what god has given it for her but just the contrary nurses are not children but women and if they can't do this for themselves no one can for them i think it is one of shakespeare's heroes who said i labored to be wretched how true that is how true it is of some people all their lives and perhaps there is not one of us who could say it with truth of herself at one time or another i labored to be mean and contemptible and small and ill-tempered by being revengeful of petty slights a woman once said what signifies it to me that this one does me an injury or the other speaks ill of me if i do not deserve it the injury strikes god before it strikes me and if he forgives it why should not i i hope i love him better than i do myself this may sound fanciful but is there not truth in it what a privilege it is the work that god has given us nurses to do if we will only let him have his own way with us a greater privilege to my mind than he has given to any woman except to those who are teachers because we can always be useful always ministering to others real followers of him who said that he came not to be ministered unto but to minister cannot we fancy him saying to us if any one thinks herself greater among you let her minister unto others this is not to say that we are to be doing other people's work quite the reverse the essence of all good organization is that everybody should do his or her own work in such a way as to help and not hinder everyone else's work but this being arranged that any one should say i am put upon by having to associate with so-and-so or by not having so-and-so to associate with or by not having such a post or by having such a post or by my superiors walking upon me or dancing upon me you may laugh but such things have actually been said or etc etc this is simply making the peace of god impossible the call of god for in all work he calls us of none effect it is grieving the spirit of god it is doing our best to make all free will associations intolerable in religious orders this is provided against by enforcing blind unconditional obedience through the fears and promises of a church does it not seem to you that the greater freedom of secular nursing institutions as it requires or ought to require 
greater individual responsibility, greater self-command in each one, greater nobleness in each, greater self-possession in patience, so that very need of self-possession, of greater nobleness in each, requires or ought to require greater thought in each, more discretion, and higher, not less, obedience. For the obedience of intelligence, not the obedience of slavery, is what we want. The slave obeys with stupid obedience, with deceitful evasion of service, or with careless eye-service. But now we cannot suppose God to be satisfied or pleased with stupidity and carelessness. The free woman in Christ obeys, or rather seconds, all the rules, all the orders given her with intelligence, with all her heart, and with all her strength, and with all her mind. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, and you who have to be head nurses or sisters of wards well know what I mean, for you have to be ward mistresses as well as nurses, and how can she, the ward mistress, command if she has not learned how to obey? If she cannot enforce upon herself to obey rules with discretion, how can she enforce upon her ward to obey rules with discretion? Part 3. And of those who have to be ward mistresses, as well as those who are ward mistresses already, or in any charge of trust or authority, I will ask if sisters and head nurses will allow me to ask of them, as I have so often asked of myself, what is it that made our Lord speak as one having authority? What was the key to his authority? Is it anything that we, trying to be like him, could have like him? What are the qualities that give us authority, which enable us to exercise some charge or control over others with authority? It is not the charge or position itself, for we often see persons in a position of authority who have no authority at all. And on the other hand, we sometimes see persons in the very humblest position who exercise a great influence or authority on all around them. The very first element for having control over others is, of course, to have control over oneself. If I cannot take charge of myself, I cannot take charge of others. The next, perhaps, is not to try to seem anything, but to be what we would seem. A person in charge must be felt more than she is heard, not heard more than she is felt. She must fulfill her charge without noisy disputes, by the silent power of a consistent life, in which there is no seeming and no hiding, but plenty of discretion. She must exercise authority without appearing to exercise it. A person, but more especially a woman, in charge must have a
quieter and more impartial mind than those under her in order to influence them by the best part of them and not by the worst we sisters think that we must often make allowances for them and sometimes put ourselves in their place and i will appeal to sisters to say whether we must not observe more than we speak instead of speaking more than we observe we must not give an order much less a reproof without being fully acquainted with both sides of the case else having scolded wrongfully we look rather foolish the person in charge every one must see to be just and candid looking at both sides not moved by entreaties or by likes and dislikes but only by justice and always reasonable remembering and not forgetting the wants of those of whom she is in charge she must have a keen though generous insight into the characters of those she has to control they must know that she cares for them even while she is checking on them or rather that she checks them because she cares for them a woman thus reproved is often made your friend for life a word dropped in this way by a sister in charge i am speaking now solely to sisters and head nurses may sometimes show a probationer the unspeakable importance of this year of her life when she must sow the seed of her future nursing in this world and of her future life through eternity for although future years are of importance to train the plant and make it come up yet if there is no seed nothing will come up nay i appeal again to sisters own experience whether they have not known patience feel the same of words dropped before them we had in one of our hospitals which we nurse a little girl patient of seven years old the child of a bad mother who used to pray on her knees when she did not know she was heard her own little prayer that she might not forget when she went away to what she already knew to be a bad life the good words she had been taught in this great london the time that children spend in hospital is sometimes the only time in their lives that they hear good words and sometimes we have patients widows of journeymen for instance who have striven to the last to do for their children and place them all out in service or at work die in our hospitals thanking god that they had had this time to collect their thoughts before death and to die so comfortably as they expressed it but if a ward is not kept in such a spirit that patients can collect their thoughts whether it is for life or for death and that children can hear good words of course these things will not happen ward management is only made possible by kindness and sympathy and the mere way in which a thing is said or done to a patient or probationer makes all the difference in a ward too where there is no order there can be no authority there must be noise and dispute hospital sisters are the only women who may be in charge really of men 
Is this not enough to show how essential to them are those qualities which alone constitute real authority? Never to have a quarrel with another, never to say things which rankle in another's mind, never when we are uncomfortable ourselves to make others uncomfortable, for quarrels come out of such very small matters, a hasty word, a sharp joke, a harsh order without regard to these things how can we take charge we may say so-and-so is too weak if she minds that but pray are we not weak in the same way ourselves i have been in positions of authority myself and have always tried to remember that to use such an advantage inconsiderately is cowardly to be sharp among them is worse in me than in them to be sharp upon me no one can trample upon others and govern them to win them is half i might say the whole secret of having charge if you find your way to their hearts you may do what you like with them and that authority is the most complete which is least perceived or asserted the world whether of a ward or of an empire is governed not by many words but by few though some especially women seem to expect to govern by many words by talk and nothing else there is scarcely anything which interferes so much with charge over others as rash and inconsiderate talking or as wearing one's thoughts on one's cap there is scarcely anything which interferes so much with their respect for us any want of simplicity in us a person who is always thinking of herself how she looks what effect she produces upon others what others will think or say of her can scarcely ever hope to have charge of them to any purpose we ought to be what we want to seem or those under us will find out very soon that we only seem what we ought to be. If we think only of the duty we have in hand, we may hope to make the others think of it too. But if we are fidgety or uneasy about trifles, can we hope to impress them with the importance of essential things? There is so much talk about persons nowadays everybody criticizes everybody everybody seems liable to be drawn into a current against somebody or in favor of every one doing what she likes pleasing herself or getting promotion if any one gives way to all these distractions and has no root of calmness in herself she will not find it in any hospital or home all this is as old as the hills you will say yes it is as old as christianity and is not that the more reason for us to begin to practice it to-day to-day if ye will hear my voice said the father to-day ye shall be with me in paradise said the son and he does not say this only to the dying for heaven may begin here and the kingdom of heaven is within he tells us most of you here present will be in a few years in charge of others filling post of responsibility all are on the threshold of active life 
then our characters will be put to the test whether in some position of charge or of subordination or both shall we be found wanting unable to control ourselves therefore unable to control others with many good qualities perhaps but owing to selfishness conceit to some want of purpose some laxness carelessness lightness vanity some temper habits of self-indulgence or want of disinterestedness unequal to the struggle of life the business of life and ill-adapted to the employment of nursing which we have chosen for ourselves and which almost above all others requires earnest purpose and the reverse of all these faults thirty years hence if we could suppose us all standing here again passing judgment on ourselves and telling sincerely why one has succeeded and another has failed why the life of one has been a blessing to those she has charge of and another has gone from one thing to another pleasing herself and bringing nothing to good what would we give to be able now to see all this before us yet some of those reasons for failure or success we may anticipate now because so-and-so was or was not weak or vain because she could or could not make herself respected because she had no steadfastness in her or on the contrary because she had a fixed and steady purpose because she was selfish or unselfish disliked or beloved because she could or could not keep her women together or manage her patients or was or was not to be trusted in ward business and there are many other reasons which i might give you or which you might give yourselves for the success or failure of those who have passed through this training school for the last eleven years can we not see ourselves as others see us for the world is a hard schoolmaster and punishes us without giving reasons and much more severely than any training school can and when we can no longer perhaps correct the defect good posts may be found for us but can we keep them so as to fill them worthily or are we but unprofitable servants in fulfilling any charge yet many of us are blinded to the truth by our own self-love even to the end and we attribute to accident or ill-luck what is really the consequence of some weakness or error in ourselves but can we not see ourselves as god sees us is a still more important question for while we value the judgments of our superiors and of our fellows which may correct our own judgments we must also have a higher standard which may correct theirs we cannot altogether trust them and still less can we trust ourselves and we know of course that the worth of a life is not altogether measured by failure or success we want to see our purposes and the way we take to fulfill such charge as may be given us as they are in the sight of god thou god seest me and thus do we return to the question we asked before how near can we come to him whose name we bear when we call ourselves christians 
how near to his gentleness and goodness to his authority over others and the highest authority which a woman especially can attain among her fellow-women must come from her doing god's work here in the same spirit and with the same thoroughness that christ did though we follow him but afar off end of excerpts from florence nightingale to her nurses